Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is hour number two. LSU Tiger Tailgate brought to you by Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Getting you set for LSU and Alabama. 504-260-187 is the number. Get involved. You can text us at 870-870. This hour we will get a little more familiar with the 8-0 Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll go behind enemy lines. Our own Jeff Palermo will be with us to give us his take too as well. You can jump in the conversation and text us at 870-870. Herb, when you're looking at LSU and Alabama, what comes to mind when, first of all, were you did you go into a game this big of an underdog? And if so, how did you approach it? Yes, 1996 against Florida when we went into Florida. And uh, I'm sure we were probably like a, a 20 to 25-point underdog. And mm-hmm. We approached it as if we were going to go in there and do something, but um, that particular season, Florida had—I mean, they were just—they they could have beaten any NFL team. I think uh, they had Danny Waffle and uh, Fred Taylor, um, Ike Hilliard. They were pretty loaded. Uh, I mean, they were loaded all the way across the board, offensively and defensively. So that was more of a mismatch, I think, than what tonight is. So you you approach this game the same way you approach any other game, except with the the notion and the feeling of knowing that you have to elevate your game to a, a, a whole nother level tonight um and, and there's twofold with that because you're playing away and then you're playing a number two ranked team in the country that was the number one ranked team in the country last week so you right. still play like that number one ranked um and then play like they do have a chip on their shoulder you know those the players will play like that for alabama coach saban i don't think so much is using that one two ranking um as, as fuel to, to 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 fire his guys mm-hmm. but i do think that um that the one thing that Coach Saban has done his whole career is the, he always wanted his guys to just play the exact same way no matter what ranking they were. And they have always done that, even when he was at LSU, even when he was at Michigan State as well. So I do know one thing, that they're going to come out to play. The thing for us is that we've got to come out to play and play even harder and create turnovers and make sure that we tackle everybody that we can and make plays whenever they're there to be made. Herb, Danny Etling, uh, what do you do from a quarterback standpoint? Do you go back and look at some of the things you did last year? Because the personnel is somewhat different, but uh, some is the same. But the style, what Alabama likes to do, the same defensive coordinator and so forth. What do you take out of that game to help you prepare for this game, since that's the only thing he's got to go in Alabama? Well, that system hasn't changed in years. So, I mean, they're going to do the same thing. The only thing changes is the players. So, and every now and then they'll change a little bit. But they, they know LSU's not going to go there and try to run their quarterback. They know all they have to do is keep Danny in the pocket, um, get some pressure in his face, make him uh, either throw the ball sooner than he wants to or confuse him on the back end with defensive coverages um, and looks up front, uh, pre-snap reads, things of that nature. Um, and, that, and that's going to make him, Dan, him meaning Danny, Either either he's going to grow up tonight and become that guy we want him to be, or he's going to either take a step backwards because of the pressure. And I think that he's going to grow up tonight. I think that he's ready for it. He's been primed for it. Um, I think he has something to prove. 
I don't he doesn't need to go out and try to, you know, force things or make things happen. He just needs to take things as they come to him and then complete passes and put his team in the right situations, pre, you know, pre-snap reads and things of that nature. If we need to be a run play, put him in the right run play. If we need to check to a passing play, check to that passing play, but complete the pass. Um, and then the other thing that Danny has to do as the leader of that team, he needs to make sure that everyone is up for this particular game and no one gets down. It doesn't matter what happens through the course of the game. Everybody has to – continue to 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 fight and play as if you know the next play is the most important play not the last play Two six zero one eight seven. you can text us at 870-810 we'll take a timeout. we'll come back and we'll go behind enemy lines and start getting familiar with this alabama team went similar to last year started off real dominant but then down the stretch of the season uh you know they went into the national championship game looking like they were going to repeat and then clemson erupted for an astronomical amount of yards and points for the second straight year but this time clemson was able to cap it off with a late touchdown under a minute left as alabama destined to be back in the national title game again. We'll talk next and get you set for Alabama and LSU, a 7-10 kickoff tonight here on WWL. All right, welcome back, guys. Um, Deke and I here are just talking on during the break. And, uh, you know, some things that you just you, you take for granted, right? Um, and I'm thinking and I'm hoping that Alabama takes for granted tonight's going to be an easy Walk into the Brian Denny Stadium and and take this uh this this LSU Tiger team down, and I hope that they do that, and I hope they look past us because this will be one of those great nights where um this game will be talked about forever in the uh, the history of LSU football because Alabama and Nick Saban is you know they're right now they're the pinnacle they are the the Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots of college football and um I think I think personally that um you know when when you look at that it's it's true for me i i see i see coach saban as going down as one of the best in the history of 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 college football um but tonight i see coach ogeron making a statement and not only coach ogeron but coach aranda and coach canada uh making some statements as well to say hey look we're here too we're not to be overlooked we're not here to to um to to you know to to be a, a redhead stepchild if you will we're here to 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 fight. We're going to show you that we've practiced <laughs> and we've played games, and um, and our record speaks for itself. Yeah, we lost to Troy, um, we lost to Mississippi State, but Mississippi State is 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 a, is a really decent team. But you know, we didn't play too well in the beginning of the season. But right now, and you know, when you know, as Deke and I were talking during the break, you know, we had been you know we've been talking about how how the season has turned for LSU. You know, we've We've played Florida and we beat Florida. We've played Auburn and we beat Auburn. Auburn is right now is number fourteen in the, in, the, in the country right now, and we are one of those teams that beat that that particular team. So when we look forward to tonight, man, am I right, D? Well, you know, I think that's what they have to go by. Is uh, that's the highest ranked team that they beat. They were rolling yep. at the point in time, and then they did fall behind twenty to zero. So uh, obviously, it's a dis- different beast because you don't have that home crowd. And Auburn was a team that had shown that they kind of. I don't say quit, but the second half wasn't good. Even in losses, the, even in wins that they had, even against yeah, Ole Miss, yeah. they kind of outscored 20-3 to three in the second half and so forth. Right. We haven't seen much uh, from Alabama in the way of – because they pretty much put everybody away with the exception of Florida State early in the season. Here to help us talk about Alabama, reporter for BamaOnline.com is Charlie Potter. Charlie, thank you so much for the time. And, Charlie, from what you have seen this season, you follow this team day-to-day, you and Travis, what is a, a part that – if you see any team out there that's going to say, okay, well, 
they may can go in this direction or they may can go in that direction. What is an area in which Alabama has shown some sort of weaknesses if they have shown that this season? I mean, I think it always goes back to the quarterback position. Um, you look at any game that Alabama's really struggled in, uh, a quarterback that can make plays down the field and, and also has the ability to maybe uh, pick up a first down or move the chains with his legs, that's usually uh, a recipe for success against Alabama. Uh, so I think, you know, tonight in, in this game, uh, LSU's going to want to run the football, yes, but I think Danny Etling's going to have to play really, really well in order for LSU to see some success. So they're going to have to try to make some plays down the field through the passing game with guys like DJ Shark against the secondary. And if they can do that, then they'll see some success. But, you know, if, if they try to make Alabama or if they try to make LSU one-dimensional, they take away the run and then they just are focused on the pass and it's not seeing some success, then it's going to be pretty tough. That, that quarterback play is really instrumental in, in seeing success against this Alabama defense. And, and while some guys have, have been able to make some plays they haven't been able to do it on a consistent basis. And if, if they can't do that, then it's, it's pretty, pretty tough going against this defense. Charlie, what's, what's the likelihood that uh, Alabama is kind of looking past LSU tonight and maybe um, looking forward to, you know, Auburn or whomever else is coming up ahead of them? Or, or are those guys just solely focused and pinpointed on tonight's game? Yeah, I think they are. Um, you know, this is typically not a game that, that Alabama players overlook. I think a lot of that has to do with how many Louisiana natives they have on this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really focus on Hootie Jones, a senior safety yep. uh, kid from um, Monroe down there uh, this week. And yeah, this is a really important game to him. Uh, I know he's been you know, talking that up to his teammates. And I think having that bye week before that really helps to try to pinpoint of, of how important this is. And, and the guys that have been around, the, the veterans on this team, know what kind of battles they've had uh, with LSU. I mean, everybody remembers last year's game was 0-0 going into the fourth quarter, and um, the the players remember that. They're trying to get the young guys that have been contributing to to realize that and to own in on that. So they're not really looking looking past it. Um, I I think the fact that if if Auburn was next week, it it may be a situation like that. But, um, you know, as much as they respect Mississippi State, I think they know what lies ahead of them uh, tonight, and uh, they're kind of focused on that. Charlie, when, when you look at Alabama, what I what I find interesting, and I, and I think not because of the way, look, no one knew that their schedule was going to shape up like this. I mean, look, I think we knew going into the season the East was not going to be, you know, highly thought of. But, you know, probably no one would have thought Vanderbilt was going to be 3-0 and and hosting the biggest game they had in, I don't know, years. And no one thought Tennessee would be as bad as they are. And Florida State would fall apart completely after uh, Alabama beat them. And it's a pretty tight game in, in the early in the season in uh, Dallas. But when you look at this rest of this schedule, the toughest part of Alabama's schedule is forthcoming. And I say that because of the team's record, where they're ranked, and also where they're ranked defensively with LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn, particularly State mm-hmm. and Auburn, ranked among the top 12 in total defense in the country. And I'm looking at just at some Alabama numbers, and I've watched Alabama solid for a half when they played Florida State and a little bit against Vanderbilt. But other than that, I haven't watched them, you know, uh, quarter to quarter for four full quarters. So I wouldn't be the best one to give an opinion. But just looking at the numbers, and I see Calvin – has 41 catches, and the next closest to him has 12. And I'm thinking, I wonder if there's a team that can force Jalen to make his progressions, try to check off that second, that third receiver, if he's comfortable in situations like that, and has he been put in situations like that more so uh, than when Alabama pretty much dictates when they want to pass it and if they want to pass it. 
I mean, I think that's one of the big things for the end of the season that Alabama is really going to want to uh, pay attention to, to progress each and every week and, and to maybe uh, make an emphasis in the games is that downfield passing game because uh, Calvin, everybody knows what he brings to this offense, and, and Jalen has done a decent job of distributing the football around. We saw last week uh, the tight ends really got involved, and they've been getting the running the running backs involved in the passing game, but Guys like Robert Foster, Jerry Judy, the true freshman, uh, you know, those are guys that have big play potential. Uh, if you can just get the balls in their hand, if they if they connect on some of these deep balls, or if they just start to maybe pass the ball around a little bit more, because really I think the, the passing numbers when you start to break those down, you have to take into account the success that Alabama's had on the ground. Uh, they really haven't had to go out and, and throw the ball to try to win the game, and that's something that that you touched on, and I agree with that. With this final stretch facing teams like LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Uh, with, with pretty decent secondaries, they're going to have to. That's going to come into play at least at some point in the game where Jalen's going to have to step up and, and make a play down the field. So that's really going to be something that I think the coaches are uh, placed an emphasis on. As the fans are very interested in seeing if he can go out there and do that, because like I said, it hasn't been something they've really had to rely on this season. With Charlie Potter talking about Alabama, the 8-0 Crimson Tide, a perfect 5-0 in conference play uh, with the tough part of their schedule coming down three of the next four weeks against ranked teams against LSU, Mississippi State, and the annual Iron Bowl against Auburn. In between there is uh, Mercer the week before the Iron Bowl. Charlie, w- when you look at the defense now, and I'm, I hear people talk about you know how dominant this team looks and so forth. I, I was under the impression that they were just as dominant to the start of last year and with the linemen that they had, Asia. John and, and all those guys, I mean, and you, you had Eddie on the back end until he got hurt, and we're seeing what he's doing in the pros now. But what is the difference uh, from the dominant play defensively last year and this year? Some of the numbers are the same, the high volume of defensive touchdowns they scored last year and what they did on special teams. But you take us through. Is it is it eerily similar? Is this year better so far? What's the difference between last year's defense and this year's defense? I think last year's defense was a little bit more dominant, and you had some kind of those alpha-like personalities on it. You had uh, the Johnson Allens, the Reuben Fosters, the Ryan Andersons of the world were, were on this defense, and uh, you made a lot of plays in terms of pass rush. And I think Alabama's really had to um, you know, rally the troops and kind of regroup after that first game against Florida State because you went into that game completely healthy, but in the second half you lost – um, a lot of your top pass rushers, and those guys haven't been on the field since, talked about Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis, guys that they've been pointed as really their top pass rushers entering this season. So they've had to have a lot of young guys step up and replace them, a lot of inexperience at the linebacker position, and um, they've had to adjust to that. And those, those young guys have got a lot of experience, and it's benefited Alabama for it. We've seen guys like Mac Wilson uh, come along uh, since then, Dylan Moses, uh, a kid from Louisiana, he's been able to play more. So those guys have valuable experience under their belts now, and, and they've improved with each um, you know, passing week. And I don't necessarily know if it's the strength of the defense, but really one thing that's different about this year's team is how much experience they have in the back end. The secondary is full of juniors and seniors. Uh, you know, guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Ronnie Harrison, Anthony Averett are playing and have been playing. Uh, you have really, to me, one of the stories of the um, college football season, and Levi Wallace, a former walk-on, who's playing at an All-American level as a cornerback position opposite of Averett. And with that defensive front having so many, uh, I guess, inefficiencies because of injuries, those guys have had to step up, and they've, they've done a decent job of that. So it's just different, um, I guess, makeup. They've had to rely on some young players, and, and they've, they've improved. Uh, I still think... You know, this defense is one of the best in the country. I just don't think it's up to that level 
that it was last year. But now with some of those guys getting healthy, uh, Deshaun Hands coming back, Rashawn Evans has been playing a lot more after an injury. So with them kind of rounding into form, maybe we'll see that change. Who knows? Charlie Potter, Alabama, uh, Alabama Online, BamaOnline.com, a great store, uh, great staff there. Uh, Charlie, everybody out there paying attention wants to get the latest on the Crimson Tide and go find out, uh, we call this segment Behind Enemy Lines, what Alabama's been up to, point them in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, BamaOnline.com is, is the place to go. Uh, you know, we are part of that. 24-7 Sports Network. I know the guys for the LSU side uh, do a good job over there, too. But myself, Travis Ryer, um, you know, Kirk Minaire, who's been covering the team for almost 50 years now. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're doing a, a solid job of keeping up with everything this team's doing. Uh, basketball season starting up, too, so it's just like a, a never-ending process. But with that and recruiting, uh, you know, Bama Online really is your one-stop shop for Bama stuff. Charlie Pollard. Charlie, good stuff, as always. Thanks so much. Tell Travis I said hello, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Will do, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Charlie Potter giving us the latest on the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, Herb, you know, that, that's what I just think. I talked about this Thursday. You know, can LSU, can one of these next few opponents, whoever, if you're going to have success against Alabama, particularly your defense, to me, looking at the numbers, force the quarterback to do something when you look at he has not done. He has not distributed the ball at an even level from 41 to 12, and the next one is 11, and some of those receivers are much younger. Calvin Ridley is older. Cam Sims is older, uh, both from Louisiana. But uh, to me, Herb, I think that's where LSU, if I'm Dave Aranda, I think that's what he's he's looking to try to exploit. That's how Alabama's offense has been since Nick Saban's been there. I mean, you, you never see their quarterback just distributing the ball to three and four different receivers per game mm-hmm. or even throughout the season. So the one thing you can do is you can kind of key on Calvin Ridley, if you will, and yeah. um, and force them to do something else, something different, which I think will cause mistakes by Jalen Hurts. So, and that's where we can kind of take advantage of that situation. He's Herb Tyler. I'm Deke Bellavia. We'll come back. We'll get you caught up with some college scores this afternoon. A lot of the early games are in the books. The 2.30 games are underway. And we'll get with – Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com. But first up here is a CBS update. Columnist at WWL.com and Louisiana Network Sports and News Director Jeff Palermo joins us now. LSU and Alabama. Jeff, uh, Alabama looks as dominant as they did last year. Maybe not as dominant in the former. They don't have as many defensive touchdowns scored and special teams touchdowns scored. But uh, you you thrum through this. Everybody kind of has their own take. Uh, when you see this matchup, I mean, where do you point if you're Matt Canada? Where, where do you go to see? see, okay, where where can we try and move the ball on this defense? Well, you got to hope that you got uh, a healthy Darius Geis who really gives you uh, his best game of the season tonight. I think you need that. Um, my biggest concern, and I think with a, a lot of other people, is, is the fact that you just have so many young offensive linemen for the Tigers and going up against uh, a very formidable defense, as we all know. And, and are they going to be able to provide any kind of holes for Darius Geis or Darrell Williams to run through. I mean, I think that's the thing. Um, I'd like to see a little Darrell Williams and Darius Geis in the backfield at the same time. like to see them maybe throw the ball to them a, a few times and also keep throwing the ball to the tight end. Um, I don't think LSU's wide receivers are going to be able to make a lot of plays against Alabama's defense, frankly, because they haven't made a lot of plays in the passing game anyways. Um, you know, against other teams. So anticipating that they're going to be able to do that here against Alabama, I don't think that's going to be possible. But, uh, you know, LSU is going to have to out-trick them. They're going to have to hope they get some short fields. And if they get some short fields, 
they got to they got to score some touchdowns off of that. Um, you remember last year they got an early interception off of Jalen Hurts and they did nothing with it, and it was really that kind of set the tone for the entire game after that. Jeff, how does LSU uh, coach Aranda and the LSU defense stop that power running game of Alabama and the three-headed monster, if you will, that they have in the backfield? And then when they do stop that, how do they contain and keep Jalen Hurts in the pocket without allowing him to get outside of the pocket and hurt him with his legs? Well, very difficult to do. I mean, I think they did that for three quarters last year, and then Jalen Hurts really made two big plays with his legs that beat LSU. And uh, I don't know if they could keep him contained the entire game. Uh, they did a, a, about as good of a job as he could a season ago. And then Jalen Hurts eventually uh, made a couple of plays happen, and Alabama ended up getting the win. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's, that's a tough question. I, I right. think one thing that would help is that if LSU can, can win the time of possession here, try to keep Alabama's uh, offense off the field, mm-hmm. um, and, and hope that LSU's got some fresh legs going into the fourth quarter. Uh, you got a guy in Arden Key who seems to be playing, uh, rounding into t- t- tip-top shape. Uh, Christian Lockature's had a really good season. Devin White's been fantastic as well. So um, I, I think those guys uh, are going to be uh, – those are obviously, I think, three guys that you really have to count on in this game. And you got to be careful also of the play-action fake here and that if, mm-hmm. if you got a young yep. uh, DB like Grant Delpit who's starting to cheat up yep. towards the line of scrimmage, you got to hope that he doesn't get beat deep like he did a couple weeks ago or at least there was a breakdown in the defensive secondary against Auburn. Now, now as we all know, the one of the biggest ways that you can – Maybe one of the only ways you can beat Alabama is by having a mobile quarterback or someone that can kind of get out of the pocket and make some plays when things break down. Is there any rumblings coming out of um, the LSU camp saying that, you know, maybe a loyal Narcisse has gotten a few more extra snaps this particular week and, and then during that bye week? And then if you see Danny Etling kind of not – performing up to par, do you think they'll put in a Miles Brennan or do you think they'll go to Luel Narcisse? Uh, I think if they're going to see any kind of mobile quarterback, it would be Justin McMillan. I mean, they, they tried it against Auburn to play, obviously didn't work very well in that game. Uh, I don't think they're going to be taking off the red shirt for uh, Lowell Narcisse. And I also think that this is a game, uh, kind of what we've seen here now lately, ever since the loss to Troy, that this is really Danny Etling's game. Um, for better or worse, and you got to hope that he can make some plays. I tell you what, when they got opportunities down deep, they got a hit on them. Um, you know, I, I said, hoping that maybe LSU could win the battle of time of possession. I, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if they can really grind out drives, but boy, if they get if they get opportunities to somehow DJ Chark gets loose or or one of these other receivers somehow get loose. And uh, they're open downfield. Etling's got to hit them. I mean, he's got to – to me, he's got to play nearly a perfect game for LSU to win here. This has got to be his his signature game. Uh, and he's got he's got to be big. I think he's got to throw for 225, 250 yards at least in this contest. And he might have to throw for also a couple touchdowns in there as well. Jeff Palermo is here with us. All right, Jeff, when you look at it, give us your keys and your thoughts how this one's going to come down tonight between LSU and Alabama. Well, obviously we all know about the point spread, 21 points. Uh, I think this thing can be close through much of the game. I mean, if, if Alabama is able to 
beat LSU by three touchdowns. I think that three touchdown lead will come in the fourth quarter at some point, maybe late in the ball game. Um, and I kind of spelled out a little bit as far as the keys. I think uh, somehow uh, try to establish the running game, try to and, and stay away from the negative plays too. I think that's been what's really killed LSU in these last few games is that when they've tried to last few games against Alabama anyways, is when they've tried to get Leonard Fournette established, there was always an Alabama defender in the backfield and they were tackling Fournette for negative yards. So stay away from those negative plays on the ground game. Try to, you know, stay uh, ahead of the chains here. Uh, Second and six, third and three. You want to hope that you have those opportunities here where you can grind out some drives. I think LSU needs to definitely win the turnover battle. And uh, if they got opportunities to, to um, uh, get a short field and they got 45 yards to score a touchdown, well, they better get some points out of it. And if they do get into the red zone today, uh, they got to get six. Um, yeah, nine to six, I don't think, is going to be the final score of this one. Jeff Palermo. Jeff, give us your prediction, LSU and Alabama. Uh, I like Alabama to win. Um, you know, I've been kind of sitting around 28-10, something like that. Uh, like I said, I think this could be one of those games where I wouldn't be surprised if it was a – a touchdown difference or a 10-point difference heading into the fourth quarter. LSU's definitely going to give them their best shot, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to get the win. At Jeff Palermo, L-R-N, at Jeff Palermo, L-R-N, on Twitter. Jeff, where were you last night high school football? Well, last night I saw Scotlandville, uh, who rebounded from a loss to Zachary, and Scotlandville looked really good last night. They beat Denham Springs pretty good, 50-27, to 27, so... I know a lot of people are anticipating a rematch in the or not necessarily a rematch, but a lot of people are anticipating a Division One championship between Evangel and John Curtis. Uh, Scotlandville might have something to say there. Of course, the power ratings come out tomorrow, Deke. Well, it'll be myself, Alan Waddell, and Lee Burkeen. We'll break them down for you on TSC at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Should be good stuff, Jeff Palermo. Jeff, as always, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. All right, guys, thanks. All right. That's Jeff Palermo giving you his take. He's Herb Tyler. I'm Deke Bellavia. 120 Chick-fil-A sandwiches brought in, over $500 of protein bars and produce brought into the Penn State locker room, a near, Herb, I want to say two-and-a-half-hour delay, maybe three-hour delay between Penn State and Michigan State. They're just now getting restarted at 635 in the first half with Penn State leading Michigan State 14-7, to a lightning delay for several hours. They took naps, Herb. I was reading the, the scroll here yeah. on that. Just uh, kind of one of those things that's happened before. We've seen that in these parts. Did they hook the fans up with some hot dogs, hamburgers, or yeah, something? Some I don't know. It, it looks mighty empty out there now. That was Come a long on. time for fans to wait. Yeah, man. You got to take care of the yeah, fans too now. Should have gave them something for sure. <laughs> no doubt about it. We'll come back and get a look at the college football scoreboard next. He's Herb Tyler on Deke Bellavia on WWL. And welcome back. A 7-10 kickoff tonight. LSU and number two Alabama as the two continue their SEC robbery and college football. Today, let's get caught up on some top 25 scores. We'll look around at all the conferences, but right now let's take a look at the top 25. Again, the delayed contest, delayed for a few hours. Now back 618, left to play in the first half. Number 7, Penn State 14. Number 24, Michigan State 7. Uh, let's see. In the second quarter, early in the second quarter, number 1, Georgia 14, South Carolina 7. Number 3, Notre Dame leads Wake Forest 17-10. to 10-07 left to play in the second quarter. And late in the first half, about six minutes left in the first half, 
Number 20, NC State, 21. Number four, Clemson, 14. It is six-ranked Ohio State, knotted up at 17 apiece with Iowa. That is uh, in Iowa today. Iowa State falling hard after uh, blowing open last week. The only team in the nation to defeat two top four teams, fourth-ranked TCU and earlier this season, third-ranked Oklahoma. They're getting shut out now at West Virginia, 20-0. to zero. Washington State, number 25, Washington State leads number 21, Stanford, 14-7. It is number 11, Oklahoma, trailing number 5, Oklahoma State. Uh, excuse me, Oklahoma leading number 11, Oklahoma State, 7-3. That's uh, early in the first. Number 9, Wisconsin takes care of Indiana today, 45-10. It was Auburn over Texas A&M, 42-27. to 27. Mississippi State has some trouble with UMass today as they defeat uh, the Minutemen, 34-23. Later tonight, it is Texas at number 8, TCU. Number 18, Central Florida at SMU. Number 19, LSU is at number 2, Alabama. A big top 15 matchup, number 13, Virginia Tech at number 10, Miami. The winner more than likely will win that side of the ACC and go on to the ACC championship game. Number 12, Washington entertains Oregon. Number 22, Arizona is at 17th ranked USC and one top 25 score last night. Number 23, Memphis, 41 to 14 over Tulsa. Now we'll uh, click on here and uh, try to look in some. Let's see. Let's go into SEC and see can we get some other Southeastern Conference football scores from today. Uh, in the second quarter, early in the second quarter, it is Ole Miss 7 and Kentucky 6. Arkansas and Coastal Carolina are knotted up at 7 apiece. That one is uh, just starting in the second. Missouri breaks through today. Who look look at Missouri as tough as they started. They have, they have a chance to be bowl eligible now. Yep. They blew out Florida today by a score of forty five to sixteen. Now Florida is at three and five. So if you look at those, uh, let's see, three from five, that's eight. So with four games left, they got to win three or four to become bowl eligible. Yep. Vanderbilt gets cl- closer to being bowl eligible. They beat Western Kentucky today by a score of thirty one to seventeen. Other SEC scores tonight is Southern Miss at Tennessee. And, of course, our matchup has LSU at Alabama. 260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. And, you know, Herb, what's interesting is that because of the contractual uh, obligations of the different networks, Fox, you and I were watching the Fox Yep. Uh, Michigan, excuse me, Fox, Washington State, and Stanford game, mm-hmm. which was scheduled to come on. But because this game is delayed, they went back to it. Uh, on the contract, and they put the Big Ten first and the Pac-12. So uh looks like uh, the Stanford and Washington State game might get put out a, on this one simply because that, uh, you know, because the contract and the way the lightning is that uh, they're going to have this game. And they're pretty much about the same place in the first half. Yeah, no, I yeah, that's, um, that's going to be – that's a weird deal right there. I don't know how the Pac-12 is going to – take that or receive that when they could have been on the Pac-12 network or a, yeah, a different right. channel or that's something. Right. So that that's going to be something that they'll have to talk about and discuss that. So we'll have to figure that out. Yep. And Herb, you know, when you look around the SEC, Kentucky, uh, South Carolina, all right there. Who would have thought the way things are shaping up in this past week, Herb? Uh, Coach McElwain pretty much shown the door so Florida will come open. And if we're looking at in the crystal ball, we know Ole Miss is going to be looking for a new coach. Yep. We knew that going to the season. Mm-hmm. We know that uh, Florida has now looked for a new coach. Possibly Tennessee would be looking for a new coach. Texas A&M, more than likely. And we may see what happens in Arkansas. So you're looking at four, possibly five, Southeastern Conference schools, prominent, prominent programs looking for head coaches. Yeah. I, you know, the thing about that is over the past couple of three, you know, two, three years or so, people have been saying how the SEC has been going down in play. 
Is that is the reason because of the lackluster of head coaches? Or, you know, or, or the other, you know, conferences getting that much better, if you will. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of it's, – it's one of those weird dynamics where the SEC is starting to make a turn, whether it's going to be for the better or for the worse. So who, is, who are those young coaches that are coming up that will get the opportunity to coach at these particular um, premier schools, if you will? Or are they going to go towards someone who's established and try to lure them away from another big school or another, I guess, um, side school, if you will, it's sideways? Still yet to come. I'm all behind enemy lines. Brian Lazar gives us his take, plus Herb Tyler's keys to the game and his prediction. We will continue counting you down to LSU and Alabama, a 7-10 kickoff tonight here on Tiger Radio, WWL. He's Herb Tyler. I'm Dick Bellavia getting you set for LSU and Alabama. Coming up, a 7-10 kickoff tonight right here on Tiger Radio, WWL. When you look at this matchup, it's uh, won by Alabama. The history has Alabama with 51 wins, 25 losses, and five ties between the two last season. LSU fell in Tiger Stadium by a score of 10 to zero. Alabama's number one scoring offense at 43 points a game. Their offense has the top rushing offense at 298 points, uh, 298 yards per contest as well. They passed for 201 mm-hmm. yards, so it's basically 499 in uh, total offense per contest. And Herb, you know, one thing that's uh, be interesting, can someone, is LSU the first opponent down the stretch, get, L- get Alabama off that comfort level? And what I mean by that, that comfort level of rushing the football like they do. And that's that's their forte. That's what they do. And generally, if you go back and look, and if we probably broke down all eight of the tapes, the majority of times when Jalen Hurts hit Calvin Ridley, who is his top target at 41 receptions, the next nearest has 11, uh, 12, they were, I'm sure they were pretty much wide open because of different things and and the way they ran the football. So can LSU force Jalen Hurts to throw the ball, kind of thread the needle, so to speak, and put him in some uncomfortable situations? And like you said, uh, and when he thinks about those checking down those progressions, Mm -hmm. uh, tuck it and run, who's going to be there? You know, the thing about it, man, is when you're going up against Alabama, they got some hogs up front. Their offensive line is just huge, humongous. They're smart. They understand blocking schemes, they understand uh, defensive schemes and fronts and things of that nature. They do such a a great job of teaching these guys and preparing those guys and having them ready to play on Saturdays. The only thing you can do is truly, really just try to out-physical those guys. Uh, And I don't mean manhandle. I mean you have to beat them off the ball. Once the ball is snapped, you got to get past them or have leverage so that you can move beyond them, if you will. And then you got to make plays because those running backs are huge too. So you got to be able to hit, wrap up, tackle, and bring them to the ground. If you don't do that, then it's going to be really tough for you. It'll be a long night. Um, and then when you look you look at Jalen Hurts, when when he's in the pocket, I haven't seen him yet really truly go through progressions and then check the ball down to anybody really. Like you said, the disparity in the passing receptions from uh, Ridley to the remaining passing core, receiving core, shall I say, is, you know, 20 or so passes. So Ridley's caught, you know, 90% of the balls That's where right. everybody else has only caught 10%. So, you know, if you can kind of – not so much key on Ridley, but at the same time, what I really think the biggest key is going to be sustaining a, a true pass rush while keeping the quarterback in the pocket, meaning put pressure in his face in the middle and then keeping your contain on the outside and not letting him get around you. One more big hour to go. Herb's going to break down Alabama's offense against LSU's defense and likewise on the other side, plus plenty of guests to be with us. One more hour to go. Counting you down to LSU and Alabama here on Tiger Radio, 710 tonight, WWL. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey.